0: abrupt intro ending welcome john cast podcast episode 75 you know we're getting close to the one year anniversary of this podcast believe it or not mike lucas was my very first guest on october 4th of 2021 so maybe we should celebrate by bringing in lukey next week i don't know maybe we will maybe this week i don't know i don't know when it's going to happen but maybe we'll get mike lucas on again i haven't contacted him yet but anyway welcome into the john cast podcast episode number 75 brought to you By me and Julio in Fitchburg. Me and Julio has daily drink specials, including Tuesdays and Thursdays with their $5 margaritas. It is a fantastic deal at me and Julio. They've got the Badger and Packer game day specials as well, including Coors Lights for just 3 bucks. So go check out a game at me and Julio. Open seven days a week. Me and Julio on Fish Hatchery Road. I was just there the other day, and we're going to be giving away some me and Julio gift cards soon. So stay tuned to this podcast and I'll let you know how you can uh, win some of those. Also brought to you by Ian's Pizza in Madison, hiring delivery drivers at a guaranteed rate of $20 per hour. That is fantastic. Ian's Pizza also has great pizza too. If you love the mac and cheese pizza, it's a staple, but they're always trying new varieties, different recipes, different combinations to put on their pizza. Three locations in Madison. If you're in Milwaukee, go check out Ian's Pizza too. I believe they have three locations as well. They're also in Denver and Seattle. So check out Ian's Pizza, johncastpodcast.com. Sign up for the newsletter. I'll let you know when we're giving away those me and Julio gift cards. Plus I've got some College football tickets we're going to be giving away here soon as well. So John Cast Podcast, sign up for the newsletter, rate and review, do all those good things. Well, today's guest is a longtime sports reporter in Madison, Wisconsin, spent 39 years on the air between a couple of different television stations and recently retired in late 2021. You can find him though on Select BTN broadcasts as a broadcaster, whether on the sidelines or behind the mic, calling the action. I'd like to welcome Jay Wilson to the John Cast podcast. What's going on, Jay? How are you? I'm well, John. It's a pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, long time no talk. So, what's keeping you busy these days?
1: Well, uh, the first thing is three grandchildren. <clears throat> they all they always need some sort of care because uh, if you're in daycare, your room gets shut down when somebody has COVID. So, uh, we have two in Milwaukee, uh, one one here in Madison. So, we're uh, my wife and I are doing a lot of. Uh, grandson and granddaughter uh, watching I work at Pleasant View golf course as a starter and a range ball picker range ball picking is my favorite job I've ever had in my entire life yes even more fun than broadcasting because you wow. you pick up the balls with the machine yeah. you dump them into baskets you take them to the washer you wash the balls you yeah. dump them into the dispenser then you do the whole thing over again and you're listening to music the whole time nobody bothers you it's, it's great so that's I highly awesome. recommend. Yeah, <laughs> I highly recommend range ball picking. The running joke for the last twenty five years, when I got frustrated with television, I always said, "Someday I'm just going to just go pick range balls." <laughs> and 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 now I do it. And then, as you mentioned, some of the broadcasting uh, ventures, I, I still do some uh, high school uh, tournament broadcasts on Valley, and uh, that's coming up here in a little bit, uh, volleyball and football. So uh, retired, yes. Uh, inactive, no.
0: No. I love that. I love the range ball. So you're you fulfilled a, a like a lifelong dream that you've been talking about for a while. I'm just gonna go pick range balls. Yeah. And do you ever have people? So do you do you ever have people try to hit at you? Because that's the number one thing I do when I see someone on the driving range, like in that cart.
1: Absolutely. And um <laughs> uh what if like a if a seven year old is up on the deck hitting, mm-hmm. I will drive the picker to within like 15 feet of the seven year old. And say, okay, you get one free shot, and what happens is they get so excited they'll swing so hard they'll either hit it over the top, or they'll hit the top of the ball and it'll skim underneath the uh, underneath the cart. But uh, I was give them another shot and let them let them do it till they hit it. But yeah, no, I, that, that's one of the great joys of the game of golf is is trying to hit the cart. And no, oh, no question,
0: no wow. matter what your age is, no matter what your age is, I still do it. I'm in my 40s, so I think that's so nice of you in a way like that's that's so cool that you would uh allow like little kids to to do that because that's what everybody is is trying to do um so you did say you're going to be doing some volleyball what's the volleyball match you're going to be doing for btm plus
1: well it's uh going to be in nebraska at michigan it's going to be friday october 8th uh like i say i just get a call once in a while Um it's, it's going to be on Big, uh, Big Ten Plus, their streaming service. And uh, the way it works is that the match is in Ann Arbor, Michigan, but I drive to Wanakee, Wisconsin and go into a studio with a bunch of monitors and do play-by-play there. And um, at the end of the night, I say, good night from Ann Arbor, and I drive 20 minutes home. It's good <laughs> deal.
0: Fastest trip from Ann Arbor ever. So, right. um, I mean, you've been, call- you've been doing – you've done volleyball matches for, for, for quite a long time. Are have you noticed a change of where the sport is headed now? To when perhaps you first got behind the mic and called the volleyball match?
1: Yeah, in fact, I if truth be told, I was the first volleyball announcer on BTN. I wasn't their only volleyball announcer, but you know, this was 2008 when BTN first started right, mm-hmm. ground floor. And um, whenever a whenever a Badger volleyball match was on BTN back in those days, I, I was the guy. I was very fortunate to do that. It was a very high level of volleyball, even then, but now it's at a it's, it's astronomical level. I mean, you watch a match, you can't can't take your eyes off it because of the uh, the athletic ability and and what these players can do. And from a uh, media standpoint, if uh, back in the day, back in the late 2000s, um, there there weren't a lot of volleyball matches on BTN, for example, and I think you watch this year's in particular, there are there are many, many more featured volleyball matches. And I think that's a result of what coaches like Kelly Sheffield did in the offseason to uh, highlight the fact that volleyball is a popular sport and, and deserves more coverage, deserves more exposure. And um, I, I think even if it's, uh, you know, pick your teams, if it's Illinois, Indiana, you might watch some of it if it's penn state wisconsin you're really going to watch some of it and and i think you know especially in madison in in wisconsin the badger success has certainly uh, generated a lot more of that interest uh, than than many places
0: and you could see as much with the 16,833 fans who came to the Kohl center to watch wisconsin versus uh florida i was about to say nebraska versus florida um <laughs> But, you know, it's it's kind of interesting, too, because now those two programs are trying to compete with each other, not on the volleyball court, but which like packing the stands. Because I heard the uh, Nebraska AD recently said something like, well, we're going to have to find a bigger venue. We're going to have to beat that record because we're Nebraska. And we And I know, you know, Kelly would be like, OK, bring it. We'll, we'll go to Pfizer Forum. We'll go somewhere else. Heck, they might be playing at Lambeau Field someday. Who knows? Yeah.
1: And the remarkable thing is they can probably accomplish it. I mean, they're, they're pushing 17,000 now. I mean, like you say, I mean, is an outdoor volleyball match a possibility? Well, they've, they've done outdoor basketball games, and, you know, that's the same kind of thing. I mean, perhaps Miller Park or two American Family Field. My, my, <laughs> my wife works at American Family, and I'm still calling it Miller Park. But, but <laughs> you know, worry. I mean, uh, if, if I... the basketball team can play at Ampam Am- Am- Am Field, why, why not the volleyball?
0: That's exactly what I was well, going to say. They're playing basketball games there in November, so so right. maybe that's a, a a possibility as as well. So you're almost a uh, a year, right? Almost a year from your last telecast, sportscast in in the area after yeah. 39 years. It's like you said. It seems like you're keeping busy, but do you do you ever say like, ah, man, I kind of wish I'd go into work and do a sportscast, or is that no? <laughs> I love not, how you're not one bit. No, and okay.
1: That's that's when I knew it was time to to leave that part of my broadcasting career. Um, It it was a unbelievably enjoyable, spectacular, fortunate run I had for almost four decades. But the last year and a half or so, I I would come home for a year and a half every night after the 10 o'clock show and say to my wife, can I quit tomorrow? And she said, no. And she said, no, and one Tuesday I said, can I quit tomorrow? She said, yes. And I walked into the office that Wednesday and quit. Wow. The or announced, announced that I was going to quit, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. It was just time. I, You know, again, I, I have so many great memories and so many great situations I was put in because the Badgers and Packers and Brewers were so successful like they've never been before in the history. You know, When I was growing up in Wisconsin Rapids in the 70s, I mean, Badger football stunk. I mean, it, it didn't win anything. And um, the same with the basketball team. But their success has almost justified the job of a local TV sports reporter because that was the big story and that needed coverage and that needed a face and that needed a front. And so, you know, when they started going to Rose Bowls and Final Fours, I mean, I was the right guy, you know, right place, right time kind of thing. And I I was very fortunate. Mm.
0: So why why would you come home after the 10 o'clock sportscast and think to yourself that you don't want to do it anymore? What was it about the job that wasn't satisfying?
1: The hours. Um, mm. You know, my wife worked early. I worked late, which was great growing uh, in the earlier days, raising kids because we had coverage for most of the day for our, for our young children. But, um, you know, local TV news has changed. The business is is much different now than it was. Uh, You know, (laughs) uh, when I was with Channel 3, I stumbled upon a, uh, they used to have promo pictures of the sports team that they'd hand out at uh, county fairs or whatever. And there were five faces on it. They had five full-time local TV sports reporters. I mean, imagine how many stories you can do and how much coverage you can have. Oh, my gosh. Well, yeah, yeah. You look at the landscape in Madison now, there's two per station. And, you know, I kind of, one of my calling cards was high school sports, covering high school sports. Well, you just can't do it with two, you're very limited. Uh, they, they, you know, there's an emphasis on Friday night high school football, but you get help from news photographers and, and other uh, people around the station. But that's the one night that it does. And, um, so seeing that coming was a frustration, um, and and just the the whole feel of what local TV news is is different. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it's different. And maybe I look back uh, at the golden years and say, boy, I wish things were like they were 20 years ago. Well, they're not. And um, you know, I, I guess I haven't changed much, and the business has changed. And so that that certainly led to it.
0: No, that makes sense. Especially the dwindling staffs. And you think what I, and listen, obviously newspaper, radio, television isn't immune to the the changes in technology and the way people consume information. So I understand this, but it seems like in a way, perhaps television could be a little bit more immune to that because if you had five people, um, I mean, your, your, your sports coverage would be the best in the city. And it, there's still people that, that want the best they want. This is where they get their sports coverage. You know what I mean?
1: I couldn't agree more. And and I understand economics. I understand yeah. revenues and expenses. But one, another thing I, I see on the horizon of local TV, news and sports, is that the, the ticket to survival, as you suggested, is to be local, uh, to not be CNN or not be... You know, some regional broadcast. You, you know, lo- local, local's where it hits home, and I think those are investments, and though and there there are good returns on those investments. And again, maybe maybe I look back at the golden years, or you know, longingly, and and I see where there was the commitment to local, the big commitment to local. And I don't see it as much anymore. And I and I still think that would work. I still think that's the answer for really the survival of local
0: television. I agree a thousand percent because the people in this city, in this community, in this area, in this county, I mean, yes, you're going to get coverage in different types of outlets on online and uh, you know print or whatever. But there's only one. You know, when you turn on your TV, everybody goes home and turns on a TV. Still, you know. Uh, some of us may have our phones while we're doing it, but it's still yeah. a lot of people turning on televisions at night and yeah. and they they want their local coverage. and yeah, yeah. I agree with you. I, I think it could still I could still be successful. maybe not at the five person staff, but right perhaps. well, and,
1: and and another thing that that uh, led to my concerns about the future is that you know when I came on with a ten o'clock sports report, most everybody kind of knew what it was already. You uh-huh. know, I mean, they're looking at their phone constantly. They're and 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 people's schedules often don't allow them to be sitting in front of a television set at six or ten regularly, constantly. Like in the olden days, you know, we kind of cleared our schedule to watch the six and ten newscast. But I, I don't, I don't know that
0: that's the case anymore. Mm. I mean, you could even have like I don't know if maybe you do this already, like extended sportscasts uh, for exclusive for Facebook. You know extended sports cast that people that they can get it when they want like they may not be able to sit down at six and ten, but they will sit down on their phone and I bet you they would watch an extended sports cast because that's the other thing Jay when you turn into local sports what how much time do you guys have two minutes is it two minutes what was uh, it I, was, what it was
1: three uh, when I was in when I worked in Milwaukee it was two that was the mid eighties it was two two minutes
0: oh, Wow typically. So, is, so is it still the same because it feels like less
1: uh well again here in, in Madison it's three ish. Okay. Uh, on a Badger football Saturday, they'll, you know, they'll expand it, mm-hmm. expand it to five or six or something like that. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, the funny thing is about uh, the two minutes in Milwaukee, mm-hmm. it, you could still get your stuff in if you just, you know, knew how to fit all the stuff in the box. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, you wanted more, but you could still accomplish a lot of what you could do. But it, it isn't very long. And, you know... Weather gets eight hits a half hour, you know. And, and I, you know, severe weather coverage is very important. But boy, the weather rules and uh, it has for a long time and continues to. Because if the weather guy goes long, guess where the time comes up?
0: (laughs) The sports guy? Sports guy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's been forever.
0: What I find funny about uh, the weather, uh, and it gets back to what you're saying is like not everybody has a chance to watch the six or 10, but uh, I always see. um, tell no disrespect to any of my weather, um, sportscaster, or I'm sorry, weather men that I know, but like, they will be like, looks like a hot weekend coming up. I'll have the details. And then I just go, hold on, look through my phone. <laughs> I've got the details. I'm good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like you tease yeah. that weather and I'm just like, well, hold on, give me 10 seconds and I'll open my app and I, I don't have to wait. So yeah, I always, I always it. thought that was weird. Like you're teasing something that everyone, everyone listening or 90% of the people watching rather could just. Find out in 10 seconds.
1: And part of that is that's the way it's been done for so long
0: mm-hmm.
1: that it's just the way it's going to be done. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, but the the stations that adapt to that, to the new way of doing things. Um, now, there was a big push for me to do more social media. and I'm not a big social media guy, mm-hmm. but I understand how you have to do it. But that takes time, that takes people, that takes effort. And to just add that on top of the regular stuff that you've been doing.
0: It's it's not, while, you're not going to make anybody better. You're not going to make anybody better right. by adding that kind of stuff. What you need is a dedicated social media manager nowadays. And I know yeah. that may not be yeah. realistic, but if you have that that third person to the team, I mean, that's a, that's a full-time job plus in itself. If you really want to make it elite, you know. Yeah. But... Uh, yeah, exactly.
1: You hire that person. You gotta, And then, you know, you, and, yeah. and they wouldn't even. They probably wouldn't
0: pay them the twenty dollars an hour that uh, you get delivering Ian's Pizza. <laughs> right? Uh, when no, I heard, not even close. No, it not. And, and you're we're we're not joking at all. Like you could make more money be becoming a delivery driver at Ian's Pizza. Yeah, yeah.
1: That's a lot more than I make picking up range balls at Pleasant View. <laughs>
0: But, you but have it's okay, like, but I'm
1: not asking for a raise. I'm, I'm fine.
0: No, no, but but yeah. you get to just listen to music and drive in this yeah. restricted area as opposed to <laughs> listening to music and driving all over the city. Yeah.
1: And I don't work at
0: night. And you don't work at night. That's true. No one can hit it's the golf dark. balls at night. I can't see them unless there's lights. Uh, real quick, one last thing about television. Um, I mean, obviously, political ads have always been a part of TV. Are there more political ads nowadays, or did, was this the thing when you first started, where there was just constant bombardment of "Oh my gosh, shut up, just let me vote"? There,
1: there are many more political ads these days, and okay. um, it, it, it's a it's a it's such a money maker for a local station. It's unbelievable because what happens is if if uh, Joe's Hardware buys a thirty second spot, the political candidate comes in not really worrying about the price of the commercial, just they want to get their their message on. Mm-hmm. They'll actually bump the Joe's Hardware ad for the next few months because you can make so much more by running these political ads. And you'll see how they're lined up. And, you know, candidate A stinks. He's awful. He's a criminal. Mm-hmm. Candidate B comes up and says the exact opposite in the next 30 seconds. <laughs> and so there's this, you know... It says, well. I should vote for that guy. Oh, I should vote for that one. Well, uh, and it's not going to stop until November fourth mm-hmm. or whenever election day is. And then two years from now, it's going to be even more. And uh, it, it's hard to it's hard to find a non political ad these days locally because mm. it's it's just it, it's just an absolute windfall of revenue for the local station
0: it is and it's funny you just said that like candidate a i literally had this last night on whatever streaming service i was watching candidate a said candidate b is an idiot because of this this and this and literally the next ad was <laughs> candidate b saying you might have heard ads talk about this that and that but that ain't true and i'm like all right someone's lying i mean, yeah. and, <laughs> I
1: mean and not all of them come from the actual candidates campaign there's a lot of hacks yes. and and uh, yes. special interest groups that are that are putting out this stuff and you know does anybody fact check anymore I don't even know again that takes that takes staff to fact check so yeah I don't know I haven't seen much (laughs) of it lately I guess
0: that's true uh so Jay when did you want to become a sportscaster is that something you always wanted to do growing up was there something else or when did you make that choice
1: well uh yes and no I uh, when I was when I was growing up I was like everybody else I wanted to I wanted to play in the NBA and uh well, the story goes that uh, when I was in high school, they assigned me number 25. And I always thought, you know, well, if you're, if you're number 23, you're Michael Jordan, right? Yeah. Um, if you're 25, who is that? And I couldn't think of anybody that would, would be 25. So I didn't play all season. I went to the coach's office and he says, I said, coach, why did you give me number 25? Does it remind you of somebody? He says, no, we. that reminds me that we either have to be 25 points ahead or 25 points behind before it's safe to put you in the game. <laughs> So at that point, I knew that the NBA career was probably not going to happen. But, you know, and then I I was the PA announcer at, at the football games in high school. And mm-hmm. uh, I was actually dating someone whose dad was the drive time, morning drive time uh, guy in Wisconsin Rapids on a radio station. So that's how I got my first break. And I really wasn't going to go into it. And then well, my sophomore year in college, I finally said, I'll – I had everybody else telling me I was going to be an electrical engineer, I was going to be a chemical engineer. And so I was doing the mathematic route, which I thought was going to be the way I was going. But then one day I said, gosh, I want to do something I want to do. I I think I could be good at it. And uh, so I changed course and started more uh, broadcast journalism. That's my major, that's my uh, degree and uh, got an opportunity. My first opportunity was in television in Madison, which at the time was unheard of, because you had to go through the farm system of Starting in Rhinelander, then go to Wausau, then go to Madison. But uh, I had a professor at the university, Jim Hoyt, who uh, was friends with Marsh Shapiro, who owned the Nitty Gritty back in the day. And they would have lunch together. And Marsh needed a weekend sportscaster at Channel 27. And Jim Hoyt says, hey, Marsh, I got a guy that probably would work for you. So I interviewed at the Nitty Gritty on a Monday. He called me back on Wednesday, offered me the job, and I was on the air that
0: Saturday. Wow. Wow.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's amazing because I was going to ask you how many places did you work at before you got to Madison for 39 years, but straight Uh, to Madison.
1: Radio in Wisconsin Rapids uh, and then Madison. Then I went to Milwaukee for three years and then came back to Madison. That's where I've been ever since. Hmm. Yeah, I was pretty lucky. I mean, that just doesn't happen.
0: No, it doesn't (laughs) happen very often, I guess that is. So what has been – if you had to pick maybe one or two – the favorite story or team that you get to cover in your in 39 years of, of a sportscaster?
1: Well, the the most memorable moment to this day is the 1994 Rose Bowl. Um, you know, I, I mentioned that in the 70s, the 60s and 70s growing up, and really the 80s, most of the part of the 80s, Badger football wasn't doing anything. I mean, they never went to bowl games. Well, in the 80s they did, but... You know, this was the first Rose Bowl in forever. Yep. And I remember standing on the sidelines of the Rose Bowl. And, you know, the sun's going down over the uh, over the horizon. And the, the hills are lit up. The, the mountains are lit up. And here comes the Wisconsin marching band coming out of the end zone for the first time in, that I've ever seen. And I just thought, man, this is really something. Then they go win the game. <laughs> which was really remarkable, but but that that to me is the one moment that I'll that I'll always put at the top of that list. Uh, Badgers to the Final Four in basketball, remarkable.
0: Well, now, which uh, year are we talking? Any year? anyone? Okay, anyone?
1: The, I mean, the two thousand one. That was that that will long go down as one of the most boring games they've ever played at <laughs> michigan state <laughs> but but it was still it was still a cool experience but i i would i would say that the, the decker kaminsky ones are, are okay the ones i'm, I'm talking about those, those were pretty remarkable and and personally the the greatest sports moment i ever had our son was a part of a state championship team for the middleton golf team in 19, 2011. 2011. Awesome. and you know as a guy who again hung his hat on high school athletics i i had covered it you know, secondhand uh, observing all along, but this was the first time I'd ever been a part of seeing the the sequence of events on, on what it takes, the dedication, the teamwork, the ups and downs. And to have that work out personally, I mean, I, I always got so excited to see teams win state championships, but this one, this one hit home. This was my wife and my, you know, pride and joy. Yeah, being a part of a state championship team, and so that that always has a special place for me too.
0: Is there a coach or athlete that you can remember that had the best sound bites that you knew? Okay, I'm going to get something that we can put on the air most likely. And who is that person?
1: Michael Jordan. When <laughs> yeah. when I worked in Milwaukee, uh, the Bulls would come to Milwaukee three times a year, and so. You know, I was I was kind of the Bucks reporter back then. You know, this was the Sydney Moncrief, uh, uh, Terry Cummings, that that kind of era, and so Jordan would come, and he would give the most thoughtful answers. And and I'm thinking this guy's the biggest star in in the world, and he and he still would do that. Uh, a couple other guys, uh, Robin Yount.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Robin Yount would talk to you when he was slumping, but when he was going well, he wouldn't want to talk to you.
0: Oh, so you only crazy. got Robin Yount when he was uh, down, like in his downswing of yeah, his season. Yeah, because
1: I, I, I'm guessing it's because you don't mess with a streak.
0: Yeah,
1: and when you're on a roll, you don't do it. Uh, Paul Molitor was great uh, back in the in the Brewer days, and and you and all my experiences, and when you when you're in a position like mine you know you're kind of not the good guy but you but you're in a spot where you're always trying to boost people up you're trying to be the positive guy and so i, I always had a good relationship with really all the coaches and players because they kind of knew i wasn't going to rip them all that much mm-hmm. uh, so so you develop a trust and and you knew and, and and part of that comes from from my work with Big Ten network where you know I only talk to guys after they win <laughs> if, 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 as a postgame reporter at Big Ten network you only talk to the people that win mm-hmm. so they're always happy and they're, they're always happy. positive but uh in all my years if you would ask me how many jerks did you work with did you interview I can't I can't think of a handful.
0: Well, that's good. For whatever
1: reason, for whatever
0: reason, that's cool. I wasn't expecting Michael Jordan. That's I like that answer. I was expecting like Bo Ryan or something like that. But
1: well, both both pretty good because his stump lights are too long. What do you
0: think? Yeah,
1: it would take the whole forecast. You couldn't even use them. (laughs) (laughs) They certainly are. It'd be one question that let's go back to the studio in Chicago. That'd be the Big Ten Network. But um, uh, what impressed me about Jordan is that he he was so everybody wanted to interview him everybody wanted something from Michael Jordan and again I had three exposures a year to him when he came to Milwaukee and you know they we talked to him after shoot around for example but I I just kept thinking this guy, this is the most wanted guy in sports journalism at the time and he still gave golden stuff Mm. Uh, you know where you had to take Bo's thing and cut it up into 38 segments, Jordan would go, oh my gosh, he talked, he gave an 18 second answer, which is absolutely perfect. And he did that all the time.
0: Yeah. Man, he was great on the court and he knew what he was doing off the court, man. (laughs) He he was perfect. Those 15 second sound bites, 15 to 20 or whatever. That's awesome.
1: And you know know who else, who else could do that was Jeff Sauer. Really? Jeff Sauer was Mr. 18 second sound bite. And I think, I think he knew
0: but he was the other guy that, that, that talked like a TV person. You know, I think they might. That's interesting. I, I wonder if they were thinking about that, like knowing that if I talk too long, I'm probably not going to get my point across. I wonder if those types of athletes like uh, Jordan or a coach like, like Sauer kind of thought in the sense like, I have a message I want to convey, and I know the media has 15 seconds for it. Yeah, I wonder if
1: well I, I think I think that may have changed over the years because okay. uh, when I was covering the bucks in the early 80s I remember a lot of guys didn't want to talk to the media so you have a shoot around in the morning and I remember Paul Pressy remember Paul Pressy the point mm-hmm. forward with the big yeah. long arms anyway uh I was going to interview Paul Pressy I'm walking right toward him with the microphone and he turns sees me and turns around and walks the other way now, in today's world of sports marketing, mm-hmm. the the athletes would be more inclined to come up to you and say, hey, would you like an interview? Because they want to be visible. Yeah. So so that was kind of a change from and I think there was there was more distrust by athletes back in the day
0: mm-hmm.
1: because they were worried about they would say something that could be misconstrued or turned into something. Mm-hmm. And that can still happen today, of course, with social media. But I think with, you know, we're in the world of NIL, we're in the world of sports marketing. And I think uh, everybody wants to get on because it can be a benefit to them.
0: Yeah. Hey, you know, when I got let go from my sports radio job about a year ago, or a little over a year ago, one thing that I noticed, Jay, when I watched sports again, it was a little uh, – because I took – like, I got fired in late July, and then I took the whole month of August off, and I was like, I'm not even looking at sports. I don't even know what sports is. I just wanted to get away from it as, as far away as I could. Um, but one thing I've noticed now that when I watch games, it's it's a little bit more enjoyable. You know, you can sit down. You can absorb the game. You can pay attention to it at whatever level you want. Um, I guess it's it's almost as if sometimes the games are a little bit more enjoyable because I know I don't have to think about a storyline for every single game to talk about do you watch sports differently now that you're retired and you don't have to think about getting the sound bites and reporting on the story
1: absolutely uh I've been to one sporting event in person my my wife had got tickets to the uh, New Mexico State-Wisconsin football game a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. That's the first live actual sporting event I've been to since I walked away from local television. I, I watch on TV a lot. Um, I, I'm i very concerned about my fantasy football team, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I look at things very differently. Um, I still enjoy doing play-by-play. I still enjoy keeping an eye on things, but... I I have a much more uh, I have a greater focus on taking care of my wife, my grandchildren. Um, one other complication I probably could mention is that three months ago I had a heart attack, and uh, had two stents put in, mm-hmm. and that that kind of puts things in a little perspective too. Uh, Good news is I, I feel great. I, I feel better than I did before I had the heart attack. But but as as focused as you get while you're in the moment of covering things and, and yes, you want to do a good job and yes, you want to be well informed and, and all that sort of thing. As you say, once you take a, a bit of a step back from it, uh, that, that kind of changes things and, uh, and gives you that perspective.
0: Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I, I, do you mind if I ask you about the heart attack?
1: No, that's fine. Okay. I, I, it's, it's, it's important. I, I think it's important to talk about it because, I'm 64 years old, I'm in pretty good shape. I had no, I have a family history. And so that, that's, that's the big red flag. But, you know, my symptoms were mild. I had a, a, a bit of a chest discomfort. I didn't have the big, oh, here's the big one kind of thing. In fact, the day, the day I went into the hospital, um, I did play-by-play of the first two games of the state softball tournament at Goodman Diamond. And then got home and felt uncomfortable Went to urgent care. They sent me to the hospital. And so I start the day at Goodman Diamond. Uh, later that day, I'm at UW Hospital about a block and a half away, you know, getting treated for a heart attack.
0: Wow. Were you shocked was. when when they said, like, what was your reaction, I guess, when they said, well, it, that was a heart attack?
1: You know what the weird thing was? Um, again, my what drove me was the, the day of that day, June 9th of this year, uh, was the 40th anniversary of my dad dying of a heart attack. And so when I started having discomfort, that obviously was was uh, foremost in my mind. Mm-hmm. And so that that led me to go in. Otherwise, you know, I, I was real close to not even doing anything about it. Um, but uh, when, I, when I was in there, and I, I talked to my wife about this too, I never considered how serious it could be. I always thought, oh, they'll maybe find something, they'll fix it, and everything will be fine, which is how it turned out to be. But... I don't know if it's positive attitude and naivete or or whatever, but I never, it it never scared me. You know, all, all I could think of is, oh, let's find the problem and let's get it fixed. And and fortunately that's how it turned out.
0: Yeah. Um, So they, they tell you that, and you weren't really thinking about how serious it could be. Um, Did, did you then address like, okay, well, obviously some things, in my life need to change? Or was that mm-hmm. something that you did next? I'm sure that's probably for, for anybody who has that, a heart condition like that. And when, what did you do and, and to do that?
1: Well, um, again, family history appears yeah. to be the big driving force. Okay. Um, when you, when you're in local TV sports, you run around all day, you eat a lot of fast food, you come home at night, you sit in front of the TV and grab a bag of chips and do that. Now I w- I was a little overweight, but not like big big overweight. But um, I immediately went on the Mediterranean diet, which is more fish and poultry and fruits and vegetables. Okay. I've lost I've lost 18 pounds in the last three months. Uh, I do cardiac rehab, which is an hour of treadmill and uh, exercise bike and rowing machine uh, twice a week. I ride a bike 15 miles twice a week, and I I feel as good as I have in 25 years. Wow. And and what, what drove all that was my health, yes, but it was, I wanna see my grandchildren graduate from high school. Mm-hmm. My wife and I are, I can't get her to retire yet, but she's close, and we wanna tour. We wanna to go see the country and that sort of thing, and you know, you got to give yourself an opportunity you, you know i i don't know that i am so dramatic that i say i have to live every moment to the fullest mm-hmm. but there is there certainly is some of that and uh you know for for devoting much of my life to a television career that took a lot of time and a lot of effort and took me a lot away from a lot of things that my kids were were doing and accomplishing um i guess the heart attack kind of went well, let's, let's make sure that that doesn't happen again.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, you know, doing the right things to set you up so you can have that longevity and enjoy all the things that you just talked about is, is something I think people overlook, especially like, obviously you weren't, um, like you said, massively overweight and just feeding yourself poison food and everything like that. So you weren't at that extreme, but, Um, you know, when I see people sometimes talk about like, well, you know, like maybe they're smoking a cigarette. Well, I could die in a car crash tomorrow or not, Mm -hmm. or you could live till you're 90. You know what I mean? So it's, it's kind of that mindset that sometimes I think we have to have because we just, we don't think about 10, 15, 20 years down the road. Um, and there are several things you could do to, to ensure that if you do get to that spot, 10, 15, 20 years down the road that you're going to be in his best condition to handle anything that comes your way. And that's the thing I think we sometimes overlook as, as people. Yeah.
1: And again, I, I was, I was very close to not going in to have it checked because it it was discomfort. It was heaviness in the chest. And, um, you know, I could have easily said, nah, we'll worry about it later. I'll go back and do more softball games tomorrow. Well, um, I've got the pictures of, what it looked like before the blo- while the blockage was still there and after they cleared it up. And it's like the the before picture is like, you know, it's called the widow maker.
0: Uh-huh. I've the, heard of that.
1: the one that the one that was blocked. That's that's a cool term. right. Uh, it looked like the belt line at five o'clock in the afternoon. The okay. first one. It was 90% blocked. Uh once they go in, they go a procedure where they take a catheter and they go up your arm. Yep. Go into the heart and, block, and un, unblock it, and then the after picture is like the whole, the whole highway is clear. It, wow. I mean, it's it's really remarkable when you see what they do. And, I, and I'll tell you what, the doctors and nurses and they were unbelievable. I mean, they they know what's going to happen before it's going to happen because yeah. they've seen everything. And so I'm I'm, I'm grateful to all of them. That's for sure.
0: I bet you, do you physically, like aside from eating healthier and being more active, like, could you know, I, I, would, I would think that perhaps because of that Beltline analogy you gave that now there's more blood flow, like, did you instantly like feel better?
1: Yep. Well, I, I shouldn't say not right away. Um, what happens when there's a blockage is that there's damage to the heart. Uh, not only is the blood flow cut off, but, you know, the, the heart recedes or, or, or dies a little bit. And so, we think that a section of my heart needed to be revived, basically. Right. Yeah. And um, when I first started doing these these twice a week rehab things, boy, I was just gassed. And again, they told me that you'd have two or three really good days where you felt great, and then you'd feel like you got hit by a truck. And mm. that's exactly what happened. And it was the process of rebuilding the heart muscle, basically, and getting stamina back and that sort of thing. So I didn't feel, I've had hip replacements. When I get a hip replacement, that's immediate relief. Boy, you feel great immediately. This is a little more complicated and took a little more time. But like Mm -hmm. I say, now I feel as good as I have in 25 years, and I have no physical restrictions of any kind. Um, I, I got a load of two and a half cubic yards of black dirt to put around our new driveway, and seed it. And, you know, that's a hundred wheelbarrow fulls or probably something like that. And I, and I did it in two days and I felt great. Awesome. Which, you know, a year ago, probably not.
0: Right. So what would you say to someone who wants to avoid going uh, through a procedure like that? I mean, obviously there's some preventative stuff. Obviously there's some uh, family stuff that they, uh, you can't control and things of that nature. But what do you say to someone who uh, wants to uh, avoid that, what can they What can they start doing? What should they start doing?
1: Well, first and foremost, don't be a macho man. Don't be a tough guy. Um, you know, if, if you have family history, there's not much you can do about it. Uh, all three of my older brothers had some sort of heart incident, stents, something, stroke, uh, when they were 63 or 64 years old. Well, I was 64, so it was just, it was, it was my time. I mentioned my dad uh, passing when he was 70 as of a heart attack. So um, the, the good news is there's so many options available, and, and especially in Madison, there's such great, so many great healthcare options. So take advantage of that. Um, there's, there's so much we know about these things that can prevent uh, terrible outcomes. And yes, sometimes it happens, and yes, sometimes there's nothing you can do about it but there's a lot of cases where you can do something about it and think of your family, you know, don't just think of yourself. I mean, that's, that's important too, but, but think of everybody else around you and, and, and think of seeing a great sunny fall, crisp day like today and go out and play in golf. Yeah. And, and don't give that up and don't, you know, don't give up watching NFL games on Sundays. Don't give up, Hanging with your grandchildren, you know, and uh because you have the power to do it. But just don't don't say, Oh, I'll tough it out. I mean, you know, you know, the olden day, you know, when you played football in the olden days, you didn't drink water because it was soft. You were being soft. Well, those days are over. We know better now. Mm-hmm. And uh so so you know, you, you have the power, take care of it, and and there's a lot of great health care available out
0: there. Awesome. Well said, Jay. Well said. Well, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. Uh, next time I'm at Pleasant View. Hopefully you'll be out on the range or something. So I'll try to hit a couple of uh, stingers at you. Or oh um, I yeah.
1: I I will drive the cart to whatever yardage you want and park it there.
0: Okay. And give you and give you 10 free shots at it. Ooh, 10? I could do it in mm-hmm. 10. I can't even hit a stinger. I lied. I, I said I'd hit a stinger. I don't even know how to hit a stinger. But if you get it at close enough range, I think I think I could get you.
1: Okay. 30 yards, 10 shots.
0: Okay. I can do that. The
1: the balls are on me. So whenever you can make it out, let me know.
0: Okay. Sounds good. Jay, thank you so much uh, for joining my podcast. I, I really appreciate it.
1: Thanks, John. Appreciate the time.
0: All right, there you go. That is Jay Wilson on the JohnCast podcast. That was fun. That was a fun conversation uh, with Jay Wilson. So a reminder to everybody, this podcast brought to you by me and Julio in Fitchburg off Fish Hatchery Road. Go check them out on Badger Game Days. They're open seven days a week. Go check them out on Packers Game Days with drink specials. And every day, uh, they've got a happy hour drink special as well. Uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays, $5 margaritas. And I will be giving away gift cards to me and Julio in the coming weeks. So stay tuned for how you can win those. Plus I've got some college football tickets. We're going to be giving away as well. Also brought to you by Ian's pizza, $20 guaranteed rate for delivery drivers right now. Ian's pizza, go check them out. They're always changing their slices. There's three locations in Madison. Perfect spot for a badger game day, by the way, uh, Ian's pizza and johncastpodcast.com is a place to go sign up for my newsletter. So you won't miss all the information on how to win these uh, gift cards and or, you know, sporting event tickets. So check out johncastpodcast.com and a rate and review on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen is so, so helpful. So if you want to do that, it takes like 10 seconds. What's wrong with you? You need 10 seconds to hit however many stars you want to give. I won't even tell you how many stars you have to give. I'll let you choose that. I would prefer five, but hey, it's up to you. All right. uh, We'll be back uh, soon with another episode. Stay tuned. I will tell you how you can win a, a bunch of cool stuff coming up here on the John Cass podcast. Thanks for listening. See ya.